0: Welcome to Smiling in Hell 2.0. I'm your host, Larry Peterson, back with Chapter 32. Chapter 32, do you believe that? And, And this time, I'm actually reaching back a couple of chapters to one that was called Don't Quit Your Day Job. But this one, creatively enough, is called Don't Quit Your Day Job, Part de <laughs> Pretty clever, huh? Anyway, I, I can't believe it's been over two months since I last opened a literary vein to spill some bloody ink in this space, but I you know, I really thought that when I retired about two years ago, I, I'd have no problem birthing these little literary infants into existence. Yeah, especially now that apparently guys can have babies too. So, uh... But now, after having produced over 30 of these things, I, I'm finding it harder and harder to face that challenge. Challenge of the monster known as the blank page. Yeah, that said, though, I uh, I feel that sharing these thoughts with the world it's one of my many God-given callings. So, like it or not, I will go on. And so, like I said, if you A few entries ago, I produced chapter 24 called Don't Quit Your Day Job, and in it, I shared a few of the adventures I had enjoyed while working on some movies and stuff like that. Well, while the movies, Glory and Something to Talk About, to be exact, went on to enjoy some success, I, however, did not. So it was that when I retired, one of the items to accomplish on my post-retirement bucket list, along with writing a book, learning to play the guitar, resetting the the brick border of our patio, selling my comic book collection on eBay, was to get back to maybe doing some acting. I mean, it had been almost 20 years since I last trod the boards of community theater and, and did some movies and some commercials and stuff. I figured the statute of limitations had run out on those performances, so it was safe for me to dip my little piggies back into the stream of acting. Now that I was retired, I found that along with the getting the itch, actually, it's more like a rash to perform. I now had the time to pursue this fairly time and energy consuming avocation. So pursue it I did. And several weeks ago I got to play uh, Colonel Brandon in a very non traditional local production of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility. A great experience. I was working with many talented folks of all ages and and, and we closed to sold out houses. Okay, it was only a sixty so seat performance space, but It felt nice, nonetheless. But doing theater again, I I began to remember some of my other adventures and misadventures that I experienced while in the throes of creating a new dramatis persona. Like the time when I I had the vocal chops to pull it off, I was playing Billy Bigelow in a production of Carousel in Savannah. There's a scene shortly before the end of the show when Billy, in in running to get away from the cops, he falls on his own knife and, and dies on stage. In our show, a small group of fellows were to come over to my lifeless body, pull me from the platform, and lay me gently down on the stage floor. Easy, right? And, and usually done somberly and with little or no effort. Except for the one night when, knowing a better, I, I'd had a bigger-than-usual dinner of Mexican food before the show. So as the guys began to slide me off the platform, I caught one. Oh, yeah, the, the now-dead Billy Bigelow farted while being dragged to the floor. Uh, not one of those silent but deadly ones, either. No, this was a good old-fashioned 12-gauge grandma blast primed by tacos, rice, and, of course, free frijoles, you know, beans. Well, it didn't go unnoticed, and while my hearty band of pallbearers did their best to control themselves while performing their sober deed, I I couldn't help but hear them choking back chuckles and gagging on giggles, which led me to biting the inside of my cheeks no, 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 not those, my, my facial ones to keep from busting out completely. Of course, I was clenching the other ones too. Well, we got through the scene, got off stage, and finished the show. And I I, I explained to my non-plus castmates that I had, in fact, produced that very normal action because, as a freshly offed person, it was an extremely natural thing to happen. Uh, Being one of them method actor types, of course, I, I figured he just would. And to this day, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. But performing faux pas were not really a rarity in my theater experiences, and and over the years I I racked up quite a few gaffes that, if you are a performer, considering becoming a performer, or just enjoy finding the continuity slip-ups in movies like my wife, the following examples of my, quote, stepping in it might give you a smile. Oh yeah, like one of my earliest flubs occurred way the heck back in high school. I was playing Curly in our high school production of Oklahoma. There's a scene where Curly and Lori are talking, and it leads to Curly singing a reprise of People Will Say We're In Love. And the scene was going along fine, and I got to the part where the orchestra was supposed to start up the lead into the reprise. I got to my spot on stage, said my cue line, and waited for the music. And waited. And waited. And waited while glancing down at the conductor, who, obviously flummoxed, appeared to be frantically turning pages to find my place in his score. Well, after waiting for what seemed like three or four hours for the music to kick off, I finally decided to just go ahead and sing the reprise a cappella, which I did. Well, luckily it was a short and quick ditty, and I finished it up and hustled off stage to where I threw my cowboy hat, kicked a chair, and basically exploded over the ineptitudiness of the conductor and the band for leaving me hanging out there like a rotten apple on a tree, waiting for them to decide to play their part in the show. And while I fumed, the girl playing Lori came over and asked me why I'd skipped one or two pages of script and jumped to the song. Well, looking at her like she had lobsters coming out of your ears thank you gene Shepard. i grabbed a script and sure enough i had completely voluntarily edited out several pages of dialogue which naturally included the lines that were supposed to cue the band oh yeah i had effed up royally so growing a full bodysuit of wool and and a set of th- horns after the show i sheepishly admitted my error and apologized to everyone for my own ineptitudeness, and swearing I'd never do that again. Well, at least until the next time, and of course there was a next time. I was playing Rapunzel's Prince in a Kansas City production of Into the Woods. I had a fairly lengthy gap between scenes and was relaxing in the green room, waiting to hear my warning cue line over the speaker on the wall that was monitoring the performance on stage. One night, I got so engrossed in what we were talking about backstage that my cue line came, and went, and I just kept on sitting there. And finally, I noticed a line over the speaker that I'd usually heard while I was on stage. Oh, sh-, I croaked. I hauled butt out of the room, down the hall to my entrance spot, and I hit the stage about 30 seconds after my part in the scene was over. So I just nodded to the folks on stage, hung my head a little, and kept on walking. Oh, shame. But over the years, though, my, my gaffes and faux paws were, thank God, few and far between, which is something in which I take pride, uh, lyric snafus notwithstanding. Then there was a time I was playing Teach in David Mamet's American Buffalo. Fairly intense character, Teach was known to punch the wall at one point in a display of frustration, and every night I was able to pull that jab just enough to make it look and sound convincing without doing any real damage, until closing night. With about ten minutes left to go in the closing night show, my adrenaline was running a little high and I hit that wall just a little too hard. I knew I'd done something wrong as soon as I did it, as the sharp pain drove knife-like from my knuckles and up my arm. Well, having to then fold a newspaper hat, I was able to look at my hand and saw a beautiful, swollen, and eggplant-colored lump. Well, I gutted it out and I finished the hat, finished the scene, closed the show, and, as tradition warranted, made for the local tavern for a pitcher of brew and a bucket of ice for my swollen, throbbing mitt. Then, after the modest celebration, although we're only three guys in the show, I made for home and, realizing just how much the hand hurt, directed myself to the closest ER, and several hours later had learned that I broke a bone in my hand. A boxer's fracture. Boxer's fracture. I was proud to tell everyone I had a boxer's fracture. But I had to wait several days for my doc to set it, since it was a holiday weekend. Which I did, and I wore a cast for a brief time. So, but a little side note here, the annual Father's Day Father-Son Golf Tournament, which my dad and I played in every year, was just around the corner. So rather than sit on the bench this year, I took a golf club with me to the doctor's office. I think it was a nine iron and had him set the hand and make the cast in a way that I could still grip the club. Uh, not great, but hey, I, I you know, I was, uh, wasn't exactly Jack Nicholas to begin with. But so my with my hand firmly set in plaster, I made my way from Savannah to Durham, and we fought our way around eighteen holes when me with my old man. I don't think we won that year, but God, it was a great day and and still a good story so anyway, along with having recently thrown my hat back on stage, I've like I said, been able to land a few commercial gigs, a couple of infomercial jobs, and a little radio work, which has kind of made me feel like I'm sort of fulfilling at least one of my retirement bucket list goals. And that feels pretty good. Now, back to that novel. Well, this is Larry Peterson thanking you for listening to this entry in the wonderful world of Smiling in Hell. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep those cards and letters coming in, both of you. And uh, we will see you shortly. For now, have a great day.